I'm Josh Israel, along with my co-host Brian Chiklinski, and welcome to the ACO Show. Hey, Josh. So this is the second part of a two-part series we've been doing on quality measurement, and it's been timed very appropriately around the publication of a piece in the New England Journal of Medicine by a number of leading experts at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, including our guest in part two, Dr. Lee Fleischer, who's the chief medical officer at CMS and the director for the Center for Clinical Standards and Quality. Josh, I feel like for both of these parts, I feel like I have been learning at the foot of a master in quality because you are one of Validate's top experts on quality measurement and how how CMS and other stakeholders can really bring together quality measures. And I don't say that subjectively, literally, you and Isabel Rubin on our team published a paper in December in Health Affairs titled The Case for Aligning Quality Measures. And this CMS piece that we're talking about today is called Aligning Quality Measures Across CMS. So I'm not going to say that you inspired the entire movement and that they took inspiration from your paper directly, but it has been a real privilege being able to have this conversation right from you and, and learning from you through the process. Yeah, I was glad we got our paper out when we did. I didn't know that that they were working on their paper in the New England Journal, and we we scooped them by a month. So I was happy about that. <laughs> but, but for all my my alleged expertise, I only learned this month that the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services ha- has an ampersand in its official title. So <laughs> I'd, I'd been writing it wrong for for all these years. I was glad Dr. Fleischer came on the show. It was certainly very interesting to hear some of how they arrived at the list of measures that they put in their universal foundation. You know, we certainly did our best, Brian, you and I, to to understand some of the process that goes into how they arrived at that list. And it was most heartening just to hear that that Dr. Fleischer and his team understand the problem. You know, even if this doesn't get us all the way to the solution, they really get it that the proliferation of quality measures has gotten out of hand. That if a physician has 30 or 40 quality measures on their to-do list, they're going to end up attending to none of them. So they were really just working in the right direction. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I think I was I was reminded throughout both this and part one, how much from a physician standpoint, you know, we're, we're looking for transparency and clarity and a real data driven path to the quality measures that are out there. And I think what I've learned and what what has been clear in these conversations is there's still a lot of art to picking quality measures and which quality measures are important, not only do we want things that are, you know, streamlined and are autom- automated rather than, you know, requiring physicians to input things themselves? But there is still a lot of signaling that is done by selecting certainly certain quality measures to others. There's a lot that happens behind the scenes and a lot of stakeholder engagement and balancing that happens in this process. So I think it was it was one of those things where it's like we're we're taking a step in the right direction. And Dr. Fleischer talks about this as well. It's a step in the right direction, but there's there's still a ways to go, especially in not just taking this progress in CMS, but making sure that it it extends to other payers across the system. Yeah, I probably don't appreciate stakeholder management sufficiently. You know, I feel like give us quality measures that are evidence-based and outcomes-based, and then we're done. But there's much more that goes into it, you know, if you work for a, a massive federal agency trying to do the right thing. But all right, let's get to it. Part two of quality on the ACO show. Now we're joined by Dr. Lee Fleischer, the Chief Medical Officer at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and the Director of the Center for Clinical Standards and Quality. Dr. Fleischer, or as you've told us to say, Lee, it's nice to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us on the ACO Show. It's a pleasure to be here today. Great. 
Yeah. So we, first of all, we know that your background is very extensive at CMS specifically. You're responsible for executing all national clinical quality and safety standards for healthcare facilities and providers, as well as establishing coverage determinations for items and services that improve health outcomes for Medicare beneficiaries. You were formerly the treasurer of the board of directors and chair of the finance committee of the National Quality Forum. And today you're leading the way on quality measurement improvement at CMS. Can you tell us, first of all, just a little bit about your background and what drew you to this area of improving quality measurement? Well, I'm an anesthesiologist. As an anesthesiologist, we focus on patient safety. We focus on quality of surgical care. And back after my finishing my residency, so back in the 90s, when I was doing a lot of research, originally around pre-op evaluation, it was how to achieve the best quality for patients with heart disease and was very involved in guideline committees. And ironically, really began with two areas of interest. One was the Surgical Care Improvement Project, which was one of the first quality reporting programs that CMS put into their program. And I was one of the 14 people sitting around the room who developed that program because of my work in guideline development, as well as in the area of the safety of outpatient surgery, which was an academic interest. So really until 2020, when I was at that time, the chair of anesthesia at Penn, really most of my research, many of it being NIH or AHRQ funded, was in the area of how do we define quality around surgical care. Lee, you are one of the authors of the recent paper in the New England Journal of Medicine on the Universal Foundation Measures. First, around your current background, what is your relationship to the paper and your role in quality. Probably a lot of our listeners don't know what the Center for Clinical Standards and Quality is. One of the areas we oversee is the quality measures to actually develop them, endorse them for the Medicare programs predominantly, except for the HCAPs. Almost everything else comes out of the Center for Clinical Standards and Quality, working very closely with the Center for Medicare because most of this is fee for service. What became exciting about this particular endeavor in this paper was we got all the center heads, so the Center for Medicare, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, the Center for Medicaid and Children's Services, along with my deputy, Michelle Schreiber, and Mina's senior advisor, Doug Jacobs, and really said we need to align these measures. So it really was as CCSQ, the Center for Clinical Standards and Quality, really is should be the agency's sort of intellectual home for quality measures, although it's dispersed across all the different centers. We work together to really talk about that alignment, which when I was negotiating with payers when in my role at Penn as a chair, we saw how each payer had a different quality measurement strategy. In fact, even within CMS, we had different quality measure strategies. And John Blum, the principal deputy, when we he got here said, wouldn't it be great if we could align things and really send a clear signal to the entire ecosystem of what defines quality for patients with Medicare and Medicaid and marketplace, but for all Americans. So on the past episode, we spoke with a couple of your colleagues, Dr. Doug Jacobs, the Chief Transformation Officer at CMS at the Center for Medicare, 
and Dr. Michelle Schreiber, the deputy director for the Center for Clinical Standards and Quality. And they both talked about the paper a little bit, helped us break down a little bit of the arguments within it. We were wondering for you, what has the response been so far? Well, as they may have discussed, or certainly I'm happy to, the National Quality Strategy, which the two of them lead, really became a foundation for how we're thinking about quality going forward. And the paper really came out of that. There is overall quite positive excitement about this. So I'll get into the the caveat, so to speak. But overall, we've heard it is fantastic that Medicare is finally aligning across all of our different centers and programs, this idea around a universal foundation, that it's trying to really think how do we get people to advance payment models by using a quality strategy sending clear signals to the ecosystem of what is important. And additionally, working with AHIP and the rest of the ecosystem to say, if Medicare is aligned, then potentially we can address one of the key complaints in the ecosystem, which is there are too many measures. And probably more importantly, there are too many of the same measures that are measured differently than in fact, three definition of diabetes, multiple definition of hypertension control. That creates caregiver burden and also doesn't allow the caregivers to really focus on one definition of what they should be doing for their patients, that if they're worried about these quality measures, they may have to look at three or four definitions. So we think that's really important. The caveats, and I'll use it that way, are, you know, will the other providers outside of the federal government really limit and not take up in the same way these measures? Number two is, will we still have innovation? And in fact, one of the reasons it was so important to get Liz Fowler and the Innovation Center on board was to say, that's really the incubator for novel measures. So these are not fixed in time. In fact, these are a, we have the innovation center, we'll say we have a missing measure, or maybe we should look at something different. So we we made that clear in the paper and hopefully Doug and Michelle talked about that. The other thing is that a lot of this are process measures and not yet outcomes. And so this is really step one. A decade from now, when I'm clearly going to be on Medicare, will they really be more about outcomes? My hope is absolutely. My belief is absolutely. So I think view this as a critical first step at putting some rationality into the measurement space. The article was a little bit gentle or unclear on how or when these would come into play. And even just now, you said a couple different things that that these universal foundation measures would send a signal. And you also said that these will change the way uh, the federal government does business. So are these going to become, whether it's these specific measures, like will CMS be enforcing a limited list of measures in, in its programs, including Medicare Advantage and Medicaid? So my standard line is, watch the payment rules. 
that since we don't discuss what is coming up in payment rules, what I can say is they're clearly, this was an opening signal. It's part of a multi-year plan. And if you watch the payment rules over the both this year and subsequent years, my hope is that you will see, and we always propose before we finalize, some of the signals of where we're going in those rules. You know, you're saying wait for the payment rules, obviously reminded of the of the expression, follow the money. And I wonder even how that pertains to why there are so many measures in the first place. Usually something has happened. Whatever system exists, there was usually a financial alignment that created it. Who is benefiting from this proliferation of measures and, you know, overlapping outcome and process measures and just the lack of alignment? So, Josh, I'm not going to say who is profiting, but I will say what I think happened. And, and I, I really learned a lot, both from my NQF role before this and, and chairing the Consensus Standard Approval Committee, but being inside, is that Congress saw problems. And if you look, particularly in the hospital-based system, they really developed different measures at different times and different programs. So to some extent, the proliferation is a function of the creation of all these programs through different statutes. You know, we've got MACRA, which created the MIPS program, and we've got issues within how people found a solution, which was to consolidate tax IDs. And therefore, as an anesthesiologist at Penn Medicine, I reported on whether or not I gave the flu vaccine, which was not me. It was my colleague in the same tax ID. And that really has led to the MIPS value pathways. So one of the things that I think we're asking a lot about what would be the most rational approach to this, there was meaningful measures, which really was, is the precursor to the National Quality Strategy, is the precursor to the Universal Foundation. And this really was when the new administrator and deputy administrator came in, their push to say, you know, previous administration, let's get to a more parsimonious set. This administration, as well as this group who's developed it, let's get to the right set, which means one of the things I'm very proud about is ensuring not only aligning and coordinating across programs and settings, which is one of our goals, but improving quality and health outcomes across the care journey, which is another goal of the National Quality Strategy. So as we really map out birth to death, are we looking at every segment and picking those high priority areas and making sure we're there? We didn't have great measures of maternal health. We're developing them. That's a huge problem. And without equity, there is no quality. If we're not addressing equity in maternal health, we're not addressing one of the greatest problems, I think, in this country today. We, I, I think I saw recently that it's actually going in the wrong direction for being one of the greatest countries in the world. Yeah, I think one of the things that you mentioned specifically, the way that the private sector 
in a way, will take the signals from CMS and from the efforts to align measures and hopefully come along and, and align measures as well and further streamline the proliferation of quality standards that that we've heard from a lot of practices on the front lines that they're they're struggling with. How does that process work? How do you how do you set these standards at CMS and then help encourage private sector leaders to be engaged and to follow along with quality alignment of their own? And, and why does CMS always have to be the leader in this? You know, I think it's a, a two-way street, and it's certainly not always CMS. And people propose measures to us all the time, and they take them through NQF, and they come to CMS. And, you know, the Joint Commission, we're adapting and adopting many of their measures around maternal health. We're looking to all the ecosystems. I think it's really the, it's not so the buying power, but the influence in how many programs we oversee, that it really needs the, the brains of the entire ecosystem. I always say you're only as smart as how inclusive your room is. And through the CQMC and through really listening to payers, to the industry per se, I mean, Allidate and, and all the others, really working very closely with the Office of the National Coordinator. We hopefully will take the best from everyone, put it into our programs, and that's the way I think we have our influence, not saying we have the answer. All right. You know how when you give a performance review and you ask your, your report to describe their year and you, you hope that they will notice their deficits so you don't have to be the one to bring it up. The Meaningful Measures Framework that CMS established is, is a great framework. And you know the general idea is, I'm sure you know, you may have been involved in creating it, is that it's to reduce the number of measures, reduce burden, have outcome measures, have measures that only have high impact on patient health. But then there are a few on the suggested list that, that seem to me that they don't meet those standards. So I wonder if you... If you agree with that, you know, if not, why not? And if so, how did they make it on the list? If they are not outcome measures and they haven't been proven definitively to make a big impact on patient health. So I was there when Meaningful Measures 2.0 was discussed and, and developed. So it was really, remember, I started in the middle of the pandemic. Well, not in the middle. I started in July 2020. So it had already been developed. And I think they did a great job in saying what our high priority. I think equity has been taken from sort of a, a less important status to a more important status. And I think as we look at what's missing, some of the things that Michelle and I, as well as the rest of the center and the administrator talked about is, when do we need to add a process measure. And I was there at NQF when we said, we've got to get to all outcomes. But there are process measures like maternal health that we aren't ready yet. We don't have the validated outcome measure that we need to get there. So Josh, do we get an A for our efforts now? Maybe for our effort, but certainly I would not say we are there for less burden, the right measures. First of all, it takes years. I was in shock how long it takes to actually get any measure from the muck list 
into the quality reporting, into the value-based purchasing, three to four years to actually achieve that goal after being validated, after going through the consensus-based entity. So I think we have a ways to go. We need to think about doing this faster. But I think we have to balance, how do we achieve equity number one? And do we have anything better yet? And will taking that measure away lead to a gap? Or what's really interesting, if I may, is will it be the wrong signal by taking it away? Are we saying that that issue is no longer important? So my hope is that not only CMS, but the rest of the ecosystem says, you know, that's really important, but the measure's not good enough. Let's develop really a great measure because it's a really important outcome, but, you know, a check the box, maternal mortality. We've got to get to more robust electronic quality measures. We work with thousands of primary care practices at Allidate, and I promise you that not one of them is going to say that when Lee took away that measure that didn't support patient health, it's sending the wrong signal. I promise no one will, will be upset about that. And I was a chair of a department and, and on, I will tell you, I'm sure they won't, but some will not pay attention. I think it signals whether the measure's the right measure, the focus is, is important. But having Doug Jacobs and Michelle, who are both primary caregivers, be leading this really is critical because they're thinking a lot about all those providers that Allidate has that's saying, what's really important? I mean, hypertension is important. There are some things that are less important that we really need to streamline and give clear signals because you can't concentrate on 30 measures. You probably can't concentrate on, you know, you can't go to three, but there's somewhere in between that's probably that parsimonious set that will improve the health of those individuals that we care about. Yeah, I think Josh and I were talking at one point, and I think we had seen the number, the average number of quality measures that a physician can see across different payer types can be upwards of 40 different quality measures, sometimes conflicting, sometimes different ways of, of reporting that. And I think one of the things that we hear from a lot of practices, especially is a lot of patients who are coming through the door are coming through the door with Medicare Advantage, and we see the just explosive growth in Medicare Advantage coverage. And I was just wondering if, if especially for those physicians who are, are seeing those patients, what you might say to them about how these kinds of standards and alignment would actually are over into Medicare Advantage or how we might see that be affected in the way that they care for their patients today. You know, that's the goal. Patient care is first and foremost. I'm still a doctor. I like being a doctor. I love my Fridays when I get to say to patients who are over 65, you know, are you a Medicare patient, you know, and then talk to them about the care they receive. And I think they've, you know, while access was the primary thing, I think the healthcare system has done, let me just say, an amazing job at getting us through this public health emergency, this pandemic. And I want to say thank you to any of the providers out there because as the chief medical officer for CMS, I know what it's like practicing today. So the goal is a lot of these universal foundation measures are the measures in MA. They are a lot of the HEDIS measures. And, and 
you know, I don't think, you know, I have to give, you know, Michelle and the, and Doug with a team across all of CMS, including the MA parts, really a lot of credit to really focusing on how we ensure for those who are, have multiple chronic conditions that they're doing well, including prevention. Lee, we've been speaking a fair amount about how this will impact institutions and clinicians. What do you think the the effect of of patients will be, and what is the intended effect? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we have to get to, and and I really give the Quimvig, which is the group that does this, a, a lot of kudos. They had a ton of listening sessions. Is patient voice is critical. We really need to see what patients care about. You know, one of the things they care about most is actually trust. And we've been talking to a number of groups because you don't, you come in and you actually want to say, what, how do you feel about your provider? And that influences how you listen to that provider and trust makes a difference. But we also think that patient safety and the transparency with patients, you know, doctors, nurses, all kinds clinicians try to do the best for their patients, but we need to be transparent when we make a mistake. I just had to do that a couple of weeks ago. Patient did fine, but talking to the mom and, and well as the daughter about something that was easily reversible, but being transparent about it is key. So I think both issues of ensuring they have a voice, they help us decide what are the important outcomes they make sure that we focus on safety when they're in their setting and that we are transparent and we really find a way to assess how much they trust their provider is critical. Well, we've been able to talk a lot about how improved quality measurement and streamlined quality measurement can help society as a whole, can help the practices and clinicians that are working in the system, and as well as the patients who rely on it for safety and and better health. So I think it's a perfect place for us to wrap up a really great conversation. Dr. Lee Fleischer, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about the Universal Foundation and CMS's efforts towards improving quality measurement. It's been my pleasure. This episode was produced by Leanne Horst, Alana Kugan, and Stuart Taylor. You can find more episodes of The ACO Show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and join us next time.